Hello, Bethel fandom. <laughs> yeah, I know this is this is getting up super late. Um, if you're in America or if you're not in America, but you know what's been going on here, I mean, it's just been super hard for me to focus on anything right now except the news. I'm, my cat is super hungry. I gotta feed her in a minute. I'm I'm actually recording this about five minutes before I go rewatch All the President's Men, and I don't know how many times I've seen that movie now in the last few months, but it's like... This is... God, Evil, shut up. This is not a political podcast, clearly, but... Like, guys, we're... We're in the middle of history right now. Like, I was just... I was just in the shower, and I've had Hamilton on, because I like to listen to that sometimes while I'm showering, and I had the story of tonight on. And then, you know, it goes it goes right into the Skylar sisters and there's the, you know, look around, look around, how lucky we are to be alive right now chorus. And it's like, okay, this fucking sucks. This administration sucks. This Congress sucks. It all sucks. And they're doing a lot of shitty stuff and they're going to do more shitty stuff. But this is, it is extraordinary that we are alive right now. This is one of those situations where I think, you know, we're going to remember where we were than when this happened. Decades from now, we're going to know where we were when this happened. And it isn't over yet, a lot more stuff is going to have to happen, but tonight was important. And God fucking knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, I went for a run, and I texted my husband and was like, I'm going to be back in five minutes if you want to get dinner ready. And he was like, you can't go out for runs anymore because they just appointed a special prosecutor. <laughs> oh, and I was like, no, actually, that means I should go for more runs, because apparently when I run, things happen. But yeah... Okay, so yeah, podcast, because that still happens, even when uh, the country is sort of falling apart and putting itself back together simultaneously all around us. Um, welcome to Keep Singing. Uh, Bethel Beth Green and Daryl Dixon Podcast, and I'm Sunny. And I'm also Dynamic Symmetry on Tumblr and Twitter and other places. And I don't even fucking know what episode this is, and I'm not going to bother looking. It's, it's, I don't know, it's like 19? I don't fucking know. Anyway. What's super cool about this episode is that I get to talk to Nikita. And if you're in the fandom, then of course you know who Nikita is because she is one of the most amazing artists. Well, honestly, like in any fandom that I've ever known anything about, she's one of the most amazing artists I think I've seen in any. Um, but she's certainly one of the most amazing artists in, in our fandom and we're super blessed to have her. Uh, I just love her work so goddamn much, and of course I gush about it to her a bit here too. And we actually talk a bit about it. Um, we talk a bit about her her work, her process, kind of what goes into it, um, how her brain works creatively, which I think is always fun to talk about. She's fucking Christ evil. And we get into that, we talk about uh, just, just for those of you, I think most of you who listen to this are probably TD people, but just in case you're not, just be aware, we go into that in the pretty heavy detail in this. We just kind of started talking about it and we just went. And it was a lot of fun, but it is TD heavy, especially in the first um, half, so just just be aware of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I hope you guys enjoy it. It was so much fun to do. Uh, one of the things I've been absolutely loving about how I decided to change the format of this is that I get to talk to so many cool people. And um, uh, I'm just excited to do so much more of that because so far it's just been going so well. So I hope you guys enjoy this. I certainly did. Um, you know what? You know my Patreon spiel, so I'm not even going to bother doing it. Uh, if you want to give me money, that's super helpful. And my Patreon link is on my Tumblr. So there's that, right? Okay, you guys all know it. And those of you who are already uh, helping me out via Patreon or who have donated, 
one time via PayPal. You guys are so, so helpful. You help me cover the costs that I, I uh, pay out of pocket for making this thing, and I appreciate you unbelievably, and it just means a lot to me, especially given that I know a lot of us really don't have a whole lot of cash to throw around right now. And to be honest, there are more important things you can be giving your money to, but I appreciate it anyway. All right, I'm going to shut up, and we're going to go ahead and get to Nikita, and I'll see you on the flip side. Uh, hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I am very privileged to be talking to Nikita Jobson today. She is one of my absolute favorite artists in the fandom, uh, contributed some mind-blowingly good stuff. And yeah, we're going to kind of have a rambling conversation about just whatever. So. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. No, I'm, I was really looking forward to this, actually. Um, good. Yeah, I'm I'm nervous, obviously, but I'll try. <laughs> You'll be fine. Yeah. All right. Um, just to sort of kick things off, I mean, like I said, I have some kind of general questions. We do yeah. not have to stick to them, but they're just kind of basic talking points and and, mm -hmm. and stuff that I really like to know from people, just because I think it's often interesting. Yeah. Um, how did you get here? How did you actually end up in the fandom? Um. Well, I think it was. Two years ago, I was just looking for some show to binge watch because I, I had finished my, you know, uh, university time. I had finished my diploma and I was just tired. I had moved back to my parents' house before I looked for work. And um, I was just like, I wanted to relax. I wanted to be entertained. And at that point, I actually managed to avoid The Walking Dead. Uh, up until that point, so I knew next to nothing about it. I knew it was about zombies somehow, and I knew uh, the lead actor's face. I knew Andy's face. Mm -hmm. That was the only <clears throat> the only things I knew. Um, but I never was really all that interested in it because I figured it would be more like a fantasy, dystopian science fiction-y action thingy or maybe even horror so more like the resident evil or something right, um right. yeah but i never thought it would be that you know character driven or anything so that was like my option because it had <laughs> five seasons out and i figured well it, if it has that many seasons it cannot be that bad and i gave it i gave it a shot and um uh, having no expectations going into this, obviously, I was hooked pretty fast because it was just really cool. A really cool concept of putting people into this kind of really otherworldly situation. Like, that was really f what fascinated me most uh, at the beginning is what happens to people if you, you know, put them into, into this crazy type of world with the dead standing up to eat the living and the regular rules of uh, society are being wiped away and nothing is the same and how do you react like how do you act if your uh, family is in danger if you yourself are in danger are you the same person or are you going to redefine yourself or how are you going to define your position in a new group and 
you know, like all that psychology stuff. I was mm-hmm. really interested in that. But um, the characters, they grew on me pretty fast. And, um, yeah, that's how I got into it. And I had the luxury of actually binge-watching five seasons of that thing. And I managed to do that in a time that was, I think it was like one week before the next season started. So I didn't even have to wait. Um, Yeah. And... The uh, how I got into the fandom was it wasn't a long shot actually because at that point I had been on Tumblr and um, so naturally I you know looked up things and uh, that's how I came across the whole theory about Beth and um, if I wouldn't have read on it if if I wouldn't have read about it on Tumblr I never would have actually thought about it because I was when I, I went out of the uh, fifth season being pissed and irritated by how Beth you know got shot she got this really crappy end and mm-hmm. I didn't get it I just didn't understand why they would do that and yeah. to, me, to, to me it felt like bad writing at that point I was just like irritated about it and you know, Team Delusional and the whole theory about that, that kind of gave me an explanation to it, like why they would actually do that. And the more I read about it, the more sense it made to me. Like at first it was this fun little theory and just the pile of questions kept getting bigger and bigger and it was just like, you can't ignore that. It just makes way too much sense. You know, and the other option, you know, that she just really got a really crappy end. That wasn't that didn't make any sense to me. So, yeah, that's that's how I got here. And then I I, I remember actually um, writing uh, that question into Molly's ask box about how Beth could possibly still be alive, you know, because she was shot and. I felt so stupid about asking, so I asked uh, anonymously about, you know, how how she possibly could have survived. And she explained to me about the um, car theory and how she probably was put into a trunk. And I was just like, you literally, I'm sure someone, if they would have stood next to me, they would have seen, like, the light above my head go up. (laughs) Yeah, That's like awesome. that, that was just such an enlightening moment. So thank you, Molly, for that. <laughs> and yeah, it was just, like one thing led to the other. And it was just like, yeah, of course, in the music box and like the tiny Beth that was put into the mu- music box. And it, they literally put her into a tiny trunk. And, you know, it all mm. started to make sense. And uh, yeah, it's just like the more often you watch the, those episodes that include Beth, um, the more things just pop up, like the more, like that stupid spoon or <laughs> the head, and yeah, it's just, yeah, I was, I was really, and I'm a rational person, you know, like you cannot fool me that easily. So, yeah, I'm trying not to keep my hopes up for them to actually do it i'm trying but it, it every all any other alternative would just not make any sense to me in yeah. the bigger picture yeah 
See, that, that, that raises an interesting question for me that I think I didn't quite understand. So you kind of came into the fandom after you watched season five. So as yeah. far as you were concerned, you know, Beth was already, Beth was dead. And yeah. I'm guessing you got into the ship kind of around that time, too. Yeah. So what was that like? I mean, what what was it like kind of discovering this fandom and getting getting into the fan works that are being created around this ship and all of the meta and all the discussion? Well, like, did you I, when, when she was shot, were you like, well, that's it. The ship is dead, you know, and, and, and there's really yeah. not much point to anything. But the thing is um, about the ship itself, I didn't ship Beth and Daryl for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, not in uh, you know a romantic way anyway. To me, it was completely platonic because, like, at the beginning it was because um, watching those episodes with them together, I was fascinated about the couple um, in a different way because I love that someone made that decision to put them together purely out of you know. Uh, how they um, strengthened each other in really different ways because you have Daryl who is physically strong and then you have Beth who is like probably not the most capable fighter and whatnot and she's she seems so innocent and helpless but she's really strong in other ways um, that Daryl is lacking and that Daryl really needs at that point. And I love that they kind of, you know, saw the beauty in that, that there is more kinds of strength than just one. And that they put those two very different people together just to learn from each other and to nourish each other in so many ways and teach each other. And I I just love that. I love that because it wasn't an obvious choice. You know, nobody saw that coming. Yeah, like who could have predicted that Daryl Dixon would would have been together uh, with Beth? And because you know they hardly ever even talked to each other before that. And I love to be surprised, especially in TV shows. Like, and it wasn't predictable, and it was interesting, and it was yeah, it was a really unique dynamic they had, and that's why I loved the time they had together. And then Beth got shot, and to me it was just like, well, that was anticlimactic. Cool. Right. <laughs> why the hell would they do that? Like, why would you build up that beautiful friendship and then just shoot it to hell? Like, I didn't get it. I was pissed. It, it just, like I said, it didn't make any sense to me. It was really stupid because, like, you have Beth. You know, Beth, who at that point probably knew a little bit about surviving and about how to actually kill a person. And she uses a teeny tiny pair of scissors to poke, uh, what's her name? Dawn. Yeah, just, Dawn. It's just Dawn. a poke. She it's just poking a poking her in the shoulder and it's like, that's what gets her killed, it's really? Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And then, like, why? And then Dawn shoots her and this impossible angle yeah and literally not possible it's lit exactly it's literally not possible how in the world would you have to hold that gun to actually manage that kind of angle and you know that's where you see how they went out of their way to 
make this angle happen. Like they chose this. This wasn't an accident. They picked this exact angle because they knew it had to be close enough to the brain. Well, I don't have to explain that. Right. Right. <laughs> but it, it's, it, it makes, yeah. it's, it, it's completely implausible that it was them being exactly. sloppy because they are not sloppy like they that. They are not sloppy. Ever. That's, that's it. And like back then I thought that was just really sloppy writing, but it, it wasn't sloppy. It was actually very carefully planned out. And, you know, it's like in, in the tiniest details you see it and the way how they don't, show her face after she was shot. They did that on purpose, too, because I think someone said something about, well, they didn't want it to be too, I don't know, like, bloody or whatever. That's stupid. Out of respect. That's just stupid. But, you know, I mean, really, respect for a person's face, and then right. you look at what they did to Glenn. Well, I mean, that's, he, yeah, that's that's the other thing. Like, it... it, it it would be the exit wound that would be bloody. It, it, the, enter, yeah. the entry wound would be very small, and there probably actually wouldn't be much blood. And in fact, we know there wasn't because we see her face yeah. in what happened and what's going on. And she looks yeah. Yeah. mostly fine. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like it was such a stupid argument, you yeah. know. Like, yeah, we wanted to respect her, I don't know, dignity or whatever. And That's then they silly. have that have that ridiculous episode with Glenn, and it was just like, are you kidding me? How about respecting Glenn's face, you know? Well, that's actually one of the reasons why I thought for a while that they weren't going to do that to him. Because it's, I'm sure you've noticed this, a lot of times shows are reluctant to kill their leads in, in yeah. really gruesome ways because yeah. we have such emotional attachments to the face. Exactly. And when you destroy the face, that's just... That's really the worst. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the worst. That's really almost too much for a lot of people to take. It and, was too much for me to take. Like, yeah, I it was too much that. for a lot of people. And and that I thought, well, they're not going to do that to Glenn of all people. And oh, then, God. well, yeah, yeah. I'm still like I'm still trying to figure out who was the definite decision maker on that part. I mean, obviously, yeah, obviously Kirkman had his influence but i mean somebody had to say yes to him why well why? I, like, I, I think you might have i think you might have seen my theory which is that i mean what gimple has been doing with this past season is not it's like anti-kirkman mm -hmm. he, he's basically doing everything that kirkman fucked up in the comics at least as far as i remember it and yeah. My theory, and God knows if I'm right, but I think it's not implausible, is that Gimple was like, look, I want to do all of these things. I want to depart from the comics in all of these ways. Yeah. I'll give you this one shitty scene, <laughs> and I'll let yeah. it be exactly what you want, and we'll do everything you want, yeah. and you'll basically get to write it, and you get that, and then I get to do whatever I want. I can also picture Kirkman like actually insisting on it in yeah. some kind of like contract or something he just wanted to have that one thing that he yeah. probably thought was super cool and super interesting and it was just so super mm. not anything it was just disgusting and off-putting and like I, I it took me a couple of weeks to get over it like I couldn't get that picture out of my head it was just mm -hmm. why Gross. Anyway, anyway, um, yeah, back to Beth and Daryl. 
Well, like I said, ramble completely. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's all connected, you know. It's all connected. Um, yeah, well, like I said, I wasn't, I didn't think of them as romantic for the longest time. And to me, it was only, you know, as far as canon is, uh, is concerned, it was only implied in, in very subtle ways. Right. And, you know, as, as I try to analyze that look on Daryl's face when she says, oh, mm-hmm. and yeah. I try to, like, go through every possible thing that might be going through his head. Because, you know, we can't read his thoughts. It might be anything. But at the end of the day, it's Daryl Dixon. And he can hardly hold someone's, you know, look. And he just doesn't look at people like that. He doesn't do that. I mean, he has his moments with Carol. And it's those are different looks. But that look was a very unique type of look. And I cannot come up with anything else but him being, you know, or trying to figure out whether it is what he thinks it is. I mean, who knows whether he actually realized it. But I think he was starting to. And it would have gone there if they would have had more time. Um, But it never, on screen, it never happened. And um, then I started to read fan fiction because I was, I, was, I was just curious about it. And I knew of, you know, how <laughs> I knew about how fan fiction can be really, really good. Yeah. Um, because I had read a lot of fan fiction before that. Um, so I was just curious and I gave it a shot. And the first thing I read was, um, <sighs> well, there you go. I can't remember the title. It was that... Um, that fic by Molly again, um, with the rough in the title. Oh, piece of rough, yeah. Piece of rough, exactly. I just. Uh, I think that, that's the entry drug for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, the and it drug. was just. I mean, if you want to get into Beth and Daryl being romantic, I mean, what a way to start. <laughs> uh, it was uh, quite intense, but I fell in love with the writing and. I just like the the idea of them possibly ever, you know, being a thing that makes sense. It just opened up in my head, reading more fan fiction, and then I just kept reading. And, yeah, it made sense to me because, you know, you do, you do have the age gap, but with those two characters, it's a very specific type of situation because they are not your typical 17-year-old naive teenager, and Daryl is not your typical 30-something, 40-something uh, dude. Right. And it's like, I mean, I, I can get very touchy about those, uh, you know, guys preying on girls types of things, but I never, like, not for a second did I have uh, a doubt that Daryl would do anything but fully respect her boundaries and everything. So that that's why it was absolutely possible for me. And, yeah, just, like, their dynamic, and I guess it has a lot to do with how emotionally damaged Daryl is and how much he can actually learn from Beth and how much 
she can heal him that way. Um, yeah, I love that part, and I love that about their dynamic specifically. So yeah. yeah, and I yeah also like I think that the first time I actively participated in the fandom was when I did that Beth and Daryl Huck, and that was like therapy for me because it never happened. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, it never happened on screen, and I just had to make it happen. And it felt so good just seeing that, just as it, you know, like fan fiction, sometimes it fixes things that didn't happen on screen. And it's just good to read about it just as much as it's probably really cool to just get it out of your system if you're a writer. And, um, yeah, it was just like it was a healing process, and it was really cool to get that much feedback on it and so many people like there was one guy who actually he like some dude and he was into like rock music as far as I could <laughs> he as far as I can tell from his blog or whatever he was like into Norwegian gods and oh God. rock yeah he like really different stuff <laughs> and he liked my painting and he wrote a really sweet comment under that. And he it said, um, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not all that into that show. And I don't like them as a couple or anything. But this is like, this warms my heart. Mm-hmm. And that was just like, oh, my God, it, it meant so much to me. And, um, yeah, that's really, it was a good entrance into the into the fandom. Yeah. You, you mean you know you know what I really love about that picture is actually, it's kind of that ambiguity. Like it could be romantic. Yeah, it exactly. fits with the show so perfectly because it could be romantic. That's like kind of that implication could be there, but it could yeah. also be completely platonic. Platonic could just be about their friendship. And I really I like that. I like that that could go in either direction there. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was done around that time when I was just actually you know, becoming okay with the idea of Daryl and Beth being more than just friends or being anything, you know, you don't have to definitely put a label on it. Like there's friends and then there's romance. I mean, it could be anything in between. It could be anything beyond, but I just love them uh, together. So yeah. And also like I had to have that moment because we didn't get it on screen. That was just so frustrating. You know, like why would she get to, you know, greet Rick, but not Daryl? Like, oh, everything about that episode was so frustrating. And nonsensical. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after they, they kind of teased the idea of a reunion for so long. Yeah, exactly. And then like, oh, okay. So you were lying. You were completely lying to us this whole time. Yeah, it just, it it makes no sense. No, absolutely not. Like, they didn't even even get a look. Like, not even a close-up or anything. Nothing. 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 Absolutely. touched her shoulder. That's that's it. (laughs) Like blurry in the background. Yeah. Oh, God. And, and in fact, the fact that we got, I mean, I think this is just going to be a giant TD fest, but that's fine. Uh, the fact that we got that, we got nothing, but then that, almost mm-hmm. like it was the writers going, oh, look at what you could be getting. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. all you get, though. And yeah. I don't know why they would 
do that just to be mean. Again, that yeah. is not, that's just not what this show tends to do. It can be very mean, but it's not usually kind of cruel in that way. Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, you have the cruelty of how Beth goes out. Like, it's not yeah. only that she goes out, it's just, it's also the way she goes out. It's, it's pointless. Just, it's pointless and it's so indignant and it's like... It's such a slap in the face of everyone who ever related to that person because, you know, you have different types of people watching this show. And everyone who's maybe a little bit younger or who had to deal with what Beth had to deal with in the second episode, uh, second season. And there are people they were there were people who related to that person and it was just so mean to take her out in such a useless pointless undignified way like that's just it really bothered me that it was yeah it, there was no dignity in that death no. and yeah and it, it, you know she ah, yeah <laughs> i could probably yeah ramble on about how unfair it was forever it's i mean if they won't actually bring her back i will forever be bitter about that how yeah. they took out the one blonde girl who was full of hope and full of light and full of everything that Beth Green was and um, you know they they I feel like they picked her to be with Daryl in those two episodes for a reason because she had emotional strength and that counts for something and that cannot be underestimated and um, it shouldn't be. And they put her into that really cool position and then they rip it right out from under her. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, they totally have to bring her back. It's like you said, it's really the only thing that makes sense. And they they didn't just pair her with, there's no reason to pair her with Daryl unless you want yeah. to do something specific for those characters, because you're yeah. right. It's, it's utterly nonsensical. And then they didn't just, they didn't just pair them. They paired them in a way to build her up specifically. Yeah. And then they rip them apart and then they build her up apart from him. Mm-hmm. And I, it makes no sense to me just from a writing perspective to mm-hmm. do that and then to cut it off at the knees just when it's getting interesting and never do anything with it again. Again, that is just not how this show yeah. operates. It fucks up deaths in other ways, but it does not fuck them up in that way. It's also not how TV works. I no. mean, it's it's all I mean, I, I think a lot of those decisions are based on you know, um, financial facts or whatever i'm i'm not in that business but i know how business generally works and it always comes down to money so like that was definitely a factor why would they build up everything around her and they put her into this new setting and all that additional cast in the hospital and then nothing comes out of it i mean even less than nothing because that wasn't even a good showdown or anything it was just yeah. yeah, I feel I like I strongly feel that we will get to get go back to that hospital that we're not done with that place. It feels it feels completely unfinished. And, and I 
not not only Jackie has said this, but but I've talked to Jackie a lot about this uh, spooky mm-hmm. green. That when this when team family leaves a place, they mm-hmm. usually leave it in ruins. Like yeah. they do not leave places intact. They yeah. didn't leave the prison intact. They didn't leave the farm intact. They sure as hell didn't leave the CDC intact. They mm-hmm. didn't leave Woodbury intact. They didn't leave the prison intact. They didn't leave Terminus intact. But they leave Grady standing. And yeah. everyone except for Dawn and Beth is alive. Yeah. Why depart from that pattern in this specific way, in this specific instance where nothing else makes any sense? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's so weird. It's, it's, I, it's, it's super so weird. weird. Like nothing about that situation makes any sense. And I feel like for making so much sense, they do address it very little. And by very little, I mean not, not, not at all. At all. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's what it's just so much more suspicious because of that i mean they could come up with some ridiculous excuse or whatever but they don't even do that and it's just it makes them look even more suspicious you know yeah there, there hasn't even been any kind of weird after the fact justification except for some very vague things yeah it's like just... i a couple of weeks ago there was this ridiculous theory about I think it was one of those first episodes in the seventh season about like Daryl came back to Alexandria. Oh yeah. And then saw Rick and then he like blinked the Morse code to him. Yeah, that was, <laughs> it was just... just so out there. And I mean, I'm all for crazy theories and I find them very entertaining. But this one was just like really, really. Uh, <laughs> Sleep-deprived and food-deprived, starving and emotionally completely damaged, Daryl will manage to blink a Morse code to Rick. But he even knows Morse code. Yeah, and like, okay, you know, you have crazy fan theories, but they actually addressed that. Right, Gimple was like, no, uh, that's not true, that did not happen. (laughs) Well, thank you, Scott Gimple, for clearly that. Yeah, yeah, just straight up, that's silly, that's not what happened. (laughs) I mean, I, I thought it was funny, but it just made it so much worse that they never addressed the Beth thing. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's getting more and more obvious. And you know what? I didn't expect um, initially, I didn't think it would take them so long to bring her back. Mm-hmm. But I figure it has something to do with Negan being present at the moment. And if I think about it, I actually don't want those two to meet ever like I don't want those two situations to mix and I feel like if she's coming back then she needs like her own you know moment she doesn't need to come into this mess so yeah I figured yeah I figured they will wait this out I would love to see her come back if she's gonna kick his ass yeah well that would be an option definitely yeah that would be great yeah her and Maggie and Carol yeah. Yeah. They could they could totally do the Charlie's Angels thing and <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I actually wouldn't mind because I cannot wait until Negan is gone because he God, is, yeah. He is boring the li- the living hell out of me. I don't care about that person at all and it's just he's not even entertaining. It's just stupid things coming out of his mouth for way too long and it's just he keeps 
yapping on forever and it never ends and I feel like his tactic is not bashing people's heads in but just talking their ears off until they bleed yeah <laughs> just beg him to stop I don't know it's like I don't care for that character at all and I didn't expect that either because when I heard um that Jeffrey Dean Morgan was cast. I, I, I actually like him as an actor. Oh, same. I, I, was, I was excited because I love yeah. him to death. I think he's great in everything, even if he's in something crappy. Yeah. He always shines. And I was like, oh, he's going to be fantastic. This is going to be awesome. Because he's so charismatic. He yeah. has such a presence on screen. But Negan is actually written stupid enough to kill that. I know. That it's ridiculous. It's just such... Oh, it's such a bummer and such a waste of a good actor, I feel. But it's, you know, whatever. Well, I, whatever. I will say that I, I, I like him when he's not talking. <laughs> yeah. When he shuts up, I'm like, all right, well, now I'm just looking at Jeffrey Dean Morgan in a leather jacket. Never, that's fine. Yeah, that's the thing. He never does shut up. Yeah. He never shuts up. And it's just, ah, oh. okay. Well, I cannot wait until he's gone and, um... I feel like the only good thing about Negan is knowing that he will be gone. Like, it, he's, to me, he's like, you know, sitting out a cold. If you catch a cold and you just know, right. well, shit, I have to get through this and it's going to suck for like two weeks, but then it's going to stop and I will be fine. And that's just like the only solace I have right now is knowing that he will be gone at some point and, um, you think I, they're gonna I, get rid of him because in the comics he sticks around, and I'm, really? I'm not he sure. Does? Yeah, he. Yes. I think he. I think he's actually around after the stupid fucking two year time jump. What What does he do then? I don't know. I I, I stopped reading the comics shortly after Glenn died, not because I was so pissed off, but because I was yeah. bored. I was like, oh god, all right, Kirkman, you're just gonna Cause... keep writing this shitty ass way, and I don't have time for it. Because <laughs> I can't. I can't picture him ever recovering or like, you know having a redeeming moment or like being a good guy or anything like no i I just think kirkman i think he's a kirkman insert and i think kirkman (laughs) loves him and refused to get rid of him yeah there's a lot of people who love him like i have a friend who she's occasionally she watches the show but she's not as invested as i am uh she's like Basically, she's just being entertained by it, and as soon as someone dies, she's like, oh, well, that's a bummer, moving on. Right. Um, but the other day, I talked to her about the new season. I was like, oh, I'm so frustrated by Negan. He's so annoying. I can't wait till he's gone. And she was like, I thought he's really funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and that was the end of no. that conversation. So, yeah, I like. I don't get that kind of humor. I don't know. It's, it's just not funny it's just yeah no, it's really not it's just really not and it's not even no there's no depth of he's like he's like a cardboard character to me he's so yeah. comic he he couldn't get any more comic he like if you will put like sound effects to his movements maybe then he would be <laughs> more comic or yeah. if he'd start like putting pulling out random objects out of his pockets at any time and i don't know it's i well like you said probably uh, kirkman insisted on him and a lot of fans were anticipating you know negan because he was like this big deal Mm -hmm. in the comics um but 
the way they wrote him, the lines and everything, they just do not work on screen. They might work. No, they might like they might work in a comic book, but you cannot have an actual person say those things. Uh, I like, mm-mm. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think most people listening are going to be very, very sympathetic with this point of view. I, I, I know. I yeah. know. I have friends who like to look at him and again I'm completely sympathetic to that I like to look at him too it's just that as a character Mm -hmm. yeah he's and the thing about that is and it's it's another thing that to me kind of supports my Mm -hmm. personal kind of Kirkman deal with the Kirkman Gimple deal with the devil theory is that I feel like one of the things that's been interesting about this season especially the back half is that Negan's kind of been written out of the picture I mean he's there as this plot He's there as a plot device. He's kind of yeah. driving the characters to do things, but the characters that are interesting and are doing stuff are taking center stage. They're yeah. the people the story's focused on. I mean, thank God for that. Right. Because I couldn't, I couldn't take any more of him as it is. <laughs> it, it's just, it might, maybe it's also because he's just so flat. Like, there is not much yeah. to tell about him. So they just, you know... They focus on the things happening around him and maybe exactly. just the, the idea of him and his group. I mean, they all keep saying, I am Negan, we are Negan. And I feel like that was something they introduced with, like, it's not Negan who's the problem, but it's just, like, the entire group and the mentality of them and yeah. how they look at the world and how they feel like they should lead the world. And, uh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like the only justification for me personally um, for introducing Negan at all is that at that point of the show, Rick was kind of getting cocky. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were they were outlining him to be like the, the, um, the bad guy, like the villain in the fifth season. Like he was going crazy. Yeah, and he was getting very arrogant, and um, I do love Rick as you know as much as you can love the leading character, but he—he's a bad person. He's a bad person, yeah. and he steps out of line a lot. I mean, he he tries, but he fails a lot too, and just people buy into it just because he is who he is, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I felt like I, I didn't like him anymore in the fifth season. And then he had like this ridiculous affair with the blonde girl. And Jesse, yeah. uh, It was, it was, it was silly. It was silly and it was super hard to watch because it was just not the same person that we knew. And I felt like something really radical had to happen to change that. And I mean, thank God, thank God for Michonne. I mean... What would Rick be without Michonne? Yeah. And there's really no other character on the show that can handle him in that way. I mean, one of the the things that I love about breaking... I I totally agree. I think Negan was introduced primarily to be almost this force of nature. He's not meant to be an interesting person. He's just Mm -hmm. meant to be a person that makes stuff happen. Mm -hmm. And by kind of... He really is, I think, the only thing that could have destroyed Rick in the way that Rick was destroyed. And by destroying Rick, and I think, ah, I love this season so much because it's so Mad Max. It really is completely Fury Road. Um, He gets pulled kind of into the background, and then all of the really strong women 
step mm-hmm. forward, especially Michonne. Michonne kind of, Michonne takes over. And yeah, totally. I don't know how now else that, that could have happened. Yeah, now, now that you're saying it, I totally see it. Like the Fury Road reference, absolutely, totally. Like you have this this undefined, almost faceless evil in the background, and yeah. you just have all the women stepping up, and then you have like that one guy like who doesn't even have to say anything in the center of it, and he's just being pulled along, <laughs> more or less. Like yeah, yeah. Because Rick wouldn't have started to fight Negan if it wouldn't have been for Michonne and for his daughter and everyone. Oh, by the way, just like this is this is where the rambling happens. <laughs> I like just I, I just saw that gift set yesterday and I remembered how I love that scene and I feel like it's honestly it's one of my favorite things on the entire show is how Rick and Michonne had that conversation about Judith not being his his child. Oh, God, and I know. I never expected them to do that. I never expected them to say that out loud. And yeah. also, like, I never was, like, a huge fan of Shane, but bringing him back after all this time, like, Rick talking about Shane, it was just, like, it was so overwhelming. And, you know, he sat there on the floor, and he talked about Shane and about how... Uh, his his child was not his own, but he didn't love her any less. Yeah, and that was just like, oh God, I love that scene. I loved it. It was my probably the favorite thing of the entire season to me. It was beautiful. It yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. And and that that to me is another honestly is another minor point in TD's favor because it really demonstrates that Gimple doesn't forget stuff that happened. Mm-hmm. two, three, four seasons before. He remembers yeah. it and he'll bring it back and he'll address it if he thinks that something needs to be addressed. So yeah. people are like, oh, it's you know, it's two years later, it's much too late for Beth to come back. Nobody remembers who she is. Well, Gimple remembers who she is. Yeah, and it just it kind of ripped open that old wound. Like, even yeah. for me as an audience member, I mean, it, it didn't happen to me, but me watching it happen, it like, it just brought back all those memories of Shane and Lori and how Judith, you know, came to be and how Rick not for a second, you know, treated her any differently because he knew all along. That was like such an overwhelming thought. He knew all along and he never, not ever, you know, abandoned her or he was yeah that was that put him back into my good guy list <laughs> definitely yeah, he's that trying did. part he's of him is still trying very much very much trying so yeah, yeah. that was really cool i love that, that that also kind of that puts me in mind of it's it's i love when Kimple does this because i think it's mm-hmm. such good writing yeah one of one of my favorite scenes in 5a with beth is where he you know, again, this is like two seasons later, he addresses her suicide attempt mm-hmm. by having Dawn, you know, see her scar and be like, you know, I know what this means. It means you're weak. And that was so explicit. And and, and it, that was such an explicit way for him to say, mm-hmm. no, this is an incredibly strong. Ca- this is a survivor because look how close she came to dying and she made a choice to live. And it was almost, I, I've said this many times before, it was almost... 
Gimple putting Beth Hader lines into the characters' mouths and yeah. giving Beth a chance to respond directly to them. It was amazing. Yeah, it was. Like, I love those references, too. And I, just, I generally love if, you know, there's, like, war- wide arcs in, in, in stories. Like, if something gets planted early on and then it just blooms, like, three seasons later, you still have references to that first moment or initial moment of something happening. And I love when writers do that generally. So bringing back old characters or old scenes or like old, old just memories and referring them to the present it's always been like it, it it's that is what makes good writing for me i love when that happens on screen and in writing too yeah and it's it's one of the things that for me makes it weird that for daryl there's been no resolution at mm-hmm. all. I mean, he hasn't... I, I, I keep yelling about this on Tumblr because I can't get over it. And I'm not mm-hmm. mad about it. I think it's great, provided it goes somewhere. Mm-hmm. He hasn't ever said her name. Mm-hmm. He hasn't that, said her name since she thing, died. Yeah. Not once. He only yeah. talked about her once with Maggie. Every time anybody else has attempted to talk to him about it, he's completely shut down and hasn't said anything. He only talked about it once to Maggie, and he didn't say her name even then. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's... I mean, I get it. You have kind of that period of really mourning someone where it's just probably really hard, but they do go back after a while and they do talk about those lost people and they do remember them. And I mean, if not even her own sister has ever mentioned her, that's just... It's so such. It's so loud, you know. It's, yeah. They never say it, but it's still so present and so loud by not being there. Because exactly, they literally mentioned every dead character on that ever died on that show. Every one of them, right? Dale and and Lori and Herschel, like Herschel, and someone was even talking about Patricia and and um. What was that lady's name uh, who decided to stay in the CDC? Oh, because God, she... you would ask that. I, yeah. always, yeah, I well, always know it, and then I can never think of it at the time. <laughs> yeah, well, you know who I mean, but yeah, they yeah. mentioned her. And all, like, oh, I remember um, Carl suggested her name for Judith when she was born. Yeah, that's right. They always bring back those characters, and I think... That's that's absolutely necessary and beautiful in a show that deals with death so much. Um, and they never, ever, not once, not for half a second, even imply any kind of conversation about Beth. Not ever. And that's just... Yeah, it's pointed. Yeah, it's, it's really, very, it seems pointed. very... Yeah, like I said, it's very loud. The absence of it is very loud. And you couldn't... It's just like it. It's like an itch under my skin, and I just keep waiting for someone to just mention her even once, and it never happens. Yeah, and I, I am very again. I'm, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the people. Well, I'm increasingly less so, but, but I'm, I'm at least somewhat sympathetic to the people who just look at this as incredible disrespect. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, it makes first of all the idea that they would actively disrespect this character is fucking bullshit, and it's inexplicable, and. It, these are not high school kids. These are professionals. Mm-hmm. And th- it not, this has not happened with any other character. It's unique. Mm-hmm. 
no other character is treated this way. Every other character gets closure. You're absolutely right. Death, one of the one of the things I love about this show is that one of the core themes from the very, very first episodes is how we care for our dead separates us from them. It's it's how we care for our dead is what makes us human. And in fact, if if you if you you know talk to anthropologists, one of the earliest evidences of culture that we find is how people care for the dead. It's it's it's, the, it's evidence of burial. It's mm-hmm. putting flowers with, with bodies. Yeah. So so. Closure for the dead is one of the most important things on this show. Everybody gets at least some kind of memorial. I mean, Mm -hmm. Herschel didn't get a burial, but he got a symbolic memorial in the graveyard, and it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets, even if nobody gets a, some people don't get a literal funeral, they get something like a funeral. And they're remembered and they're respected even seasons later. Nobody Mm -hmm. forgets anybody. And Beth just didn't get that, and it's fucking weird it's so it's i can't look at it as disrespect because it's so weird it's it's just yeah it's it just like anything about her going out of that show it doesn't make any sense at all none 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 (laughs) oh god yeah it's it's frustrating and it's so frustrating if you like care for daryl which obviously we all do. We all love Daryl, but please give him a break about something yeah. in his life, like anything. There's like, ugh, could he just have like one good day? That's all I'm <laughs> so, Yeah, he really, you're right. He really hasn't. He hasn't had nothing, nothing good has happened to this guy since alone. Like, like it's, since season four, nothing yeah, good has happened absolutely. to him. Yeah, exactly. Ever since was you know Merle was taken away from him, and then but at least he had Carol and he had the prison and he had the people in the prison and he he's had like for a while. Yeah, he, he did. I feel like the happiest he's ever been was in the prison, when he had like a place in the group and he had a task and there was a point to his life. Like I think. Mm-hmm. Molly said it um, the, on your last podcast. She said, Daryl needs to be needed. Yes. And I feel like that is so very true in, very, in a lot of ways. And um, it's, by the way, it's one of the reasons why I feel like he might be the same sign as me. Because I can relate to Daryl in a lot of ways. What sign are you? Uh, I'm a cancer. Mm. Yeah. So, like, it's... And some of those things are not so flattering. And, like, I, I see him act in a certain way or say certain things or not say certain things or just, like, you know, that thing about be, being needed, needing to be needed. I, I totally can relate to that. And I can see it in Daryl because he was happiest when he felt he had. There was a point to his existence, which was you know, caring for those people and bringing them food and protecting them. And that's like the only couple of times when we actually saw a smile on his face. And ever since, he's been just miserable constantly. I mean, he he had like a moment or two with Beth, obviously, but that didn't last very long, did it? Yeah, like... (laughs) And... And yeah. the thing about Daryl is he blames himself for everything that ever goes wrong. 
And I feel like even if Beth comes back, he's going to feel like shit about, you know, leaving her behind and uh, not, you know, just not realizing that she was actually alive. God, yeah. Yeah, he's just, he's so self-deprecating and he blames everything on himself. And I thought they resolved that beautifully beautifully um, with the self-loathing about Glenn and the whole Maggie situation and um, how he felt he couldn't even look at her because he felt so guilty about Glenn. And um, he's just so loaded with guilt and shame and, and um, hurt and pain. And I, I don't understand how any one person could even be standing at that point, you know, having been through the things that Daryl has been through. And he hasn't, he, you know, Rick has Michonne at this point and Carol is doing her own thing. And he doesn't even have a real support system anymore. Yeah, Maggie. So, I mean, there's there's Maggie, but Maggie is going to be busy. Maggie's going to be busy leading the hilltop. I mean, she's yeah. She's it, and this is not disrespecting Maggie at all. This is just a fact of the matter. She's not going to have a whole lot of time probably to deal with Daryl's emotional problems. Nor yeah. should she. She's got her own story. Absolutely. But she, she she is not going to be that for him. She can't be. No, she she can't be. And also, like he, I I I feel like he won't even let her. Yeah. Because as much even. Even when she forgave him for everything, because she obviously he, it's not his fault. Even after that, he's going to blame himself. Yeah, and he, yeah. He, yeah, he's he won't be able to let her in that way. I feel like, and it's just he's all on his own. And then, yeah. then you know, he reunites with his people, and then they leave him behind in the kingdom. Yeah. And I was like, no, you just, oh, my God, you just <laughs> were separated for Lord knows how long. And now you leave, oh, my God. And even if it, you know, even if it was technically for a good reason, it's like, like, Rick, like, turn around and look at how this guy is looking at you as you walk away. He's, yeah. this is like a super sad dog that you're leaving by the side of the yeah. road. And it's just like, he's... He, he, that I mean, he, he most likely has issues with being left behind. Oh, you think? <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. God. It's yeah. It's and and actually, somebody uh, somebody asked me this question the other day uh, mm-hmm. on Anon, and and it's not like it's a question I'm tired of answering, but it's a question mm-hmm. where I almost don't. I really don't have anything left to say because nothing mm-hmm. new has happened. He's this is not a sustainable situation. I don't know how he's going to come out of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that I think that the idea that Beth coming back could just magically fix everything is wildly unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I do think she's going to come back, and I do think that that they're going to kind of they're not going to pick up where they left off because they can't. But I do think that things are going to kind of proceed from there. But he is yeah. so beaten down that I they can't continue like this, and I don't expect no. them to do that because at, at at some point, at some point it becomes they're on the edge, they're right on the hairy edge of it being ridiculous, mm-hmm. and they're also on the hairy edge of it being boring like I don't think it's there yet a lot of people do I think they're wrong uh, I, th- I think that there there is still a purpose to and that it is still going somewhere but they're they're running out of time they need to do mm-hmm. something with it soon exactly because Rick had that with Michonne 
And I mean, you could argue about that, but I don't think that the same thing is going to happen with Daryl and Carol. No. I mean, Carol is going to come back into the group at some point, but not the same way that Michonne is going, you know, is taking care of Rick. And I feel like if if Beth is not coming back, then Daryl will have to go. Like, he will have to die, you know, just as far as writing is concerned, because they are running themselves into a corner, just like you said. It's not, it's impossible to keep going that way, and I can't see what could possibly pull him out of that, if not Beth. Yeah. You know, she, like... They cannot introduce any new character to do that to him because it's too late in the story. Yes. Um, and he's too far gone. Absolutely. And also Daryl takes a lot of, you know, time to build up trust with someone. To let someone, Yeah, absolutely. To, to let someone in that way. Yeah. And so it's, it has to be some character who, who's around. I mean, who the audience knows and who Daryl knows and... I can't think of anyone else yeah. but Beth. And otherwise, it's just like it's going nowhere because it's not humanly possible to go through all of that. And I feel like the only thing that has Daryl even standing up on his feet is, you know, the only thing that's driving him is rage. Just yeah. like the need to avenge Glenn and Denise. And he has nothing else at this point, but at some point that will be done and that will be resolved. And then what? You know, then what? Yeah. Literally, then what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're you're that's 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 really insightful because I, I mean I don't I don't know what Gimple's going to do with Negan personally. I don't actually expect him to stick around because you're right. He's not a very interesting character. And I think that Gimple doesn't have a lot of patience for characters that aren't interesting. He doesn't, he, why would he want to write them? He's a decent writer. You don't want to write a character that's not interesting. But I, if, if Negan's not going to stick around and I definitely don't think the saviors are going to stick around. That's a plot that has an end. What happens to Daryl when that's over? I mean, you've got the whispers coming at some point, probably, but that's a completely different threat. I don't think mm-hmm. Daryl's going to have any emotional attachment to them in the way that he does with the saviors. Mm-hmm. What happens to him after that? Yeah, and they couldn't possibly repeat the entire saviors experience. No, and they shouldn't. It'd be very nobody boring. can. Yeah, also very boring, and also nobody could possibly go through that no. twice. I mean, once is bad enough, but. Twice it's just like ridiculous. Yeah. So it's got to yeah. be something big. It's got to be. It's got to be something. Like I really, I cannot see any other way but him being pulled out of it by Beth or him dying. Like his character actually dies, and that's just like not an option that I'm really okay with. So it's got to be Beth. <laughs> yeah, and I don't see them killing him. I mean, he's he's just. You're absolutely right that, you know, I don't think this is 100% driven by ratings because I think that Gimple is lucky enough that he's gotten a fair amount of creative freedom and he really is doing what he thinks is best for the story first and foremost for the the largest, for for the most part. But, Mm -hmm. so I don't think they're going to kill Daryl, but it's, yeah, it's it's not going to be Jesus. 
because he just doesn't know Jesus well enough. I mean, you know, it, maybe it could be Jesus three, four years from now, but you know, they're not going to, they're not <laughs> like going to do that. Four seasons from now. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, it's not going to be Carol because uh, Carol has her own story. Car- Carol's whole arc right now is her separation from team family because her yes. story with team family is over. I mean, at least for right now, she, it's, she hit that, she hit the end of that and now she's finding something new. And I think that's great, but it's not going to be Carol. It's just not, that mm-hmm. makes no sense. So what else could it possibly be? It's got to be something like life altering. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I feel like also about Carol, it, it, it's, it's so precious to me, like the way they are with each other at, right now. Like obviously right now they are separated and everything, but their dynamic and their relationship before that and just generally how they treat each other, it's good the way it is. I love that they have whatever it is that they have. And I stopped trying to put a label on it because it's not, they are not like siblings and they are not really like friends. They are something other. Yeah. They are not romantic either. To me, they are not. Um, so, but I feel like they have built this really unique really beautiful relationship between a man and a woman who have gone through similar experiences in in their past lives totally. and oh. ha- yeah and can connect that way and can understand each other that way without having to say it out loud and um it would almost kind of ruin it to me at this point, if they would just kind of force them into a romance or whatever, because I feel like that type of relationship that they do have, it's so rare. Yeah. Especially, you know, in, in big scale TV making that it shouldn't be touched. It shouldn't be altered into something, you know, that might please the crowds or whatever. Yeah, I just, I, I love what they have as it is. And I don't know how I would feel about it if they would actually, you know, move on into something else. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you. It's, I, I know that, I know that, that some people who ship Beth and Daryl just don't care about Carol and don't like her as a character. I love her as a <laughs> character. And yeah, I, they're, you don't see a relationship like they've got on TV. You don't, you don't see men and women becoming really emotionally intimate without becoming physically intimate. And I hate that. Mm -hmm. I think that's just bullshit because it kind of reinforces this idea that men and women can't be really emotionally close without there being a sexual component. And I feel like it would cheapen it to make it sexual. Exactly. That that's what I was trying to say in, um, in a very clumsy way, but no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I got no, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, but for like the first two seasons, it looked that way. It I felt like it would go that way. Yeah. I like it was leading there in a very obvious way. But when it ended up not being that way, again, I like being surprised. And if something looks obvious, I like to be surprised by it resolving in a different way than you thought it would. And I like those little twists and, 
yeah, just, you know, very unique, original types of dynamics between characters. And I feel like they have a very unique and original thing. So I was very pleased by that development, actually. And I, I know a lot of people are super frustrated by it because they cannot wait for it to actually <laughs> go there. Um, yeah, sorry, guys. Ain't going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's, it could have happened a long time ago. I mean, maybe it is, I don't know, the slow burn thing, but I can't see it. I cannot no. see it happening. And I can't see it happening and stay, stay true to who those two people are. Well, I mean, yeah. here, here's why it's not a slow burn. If you want to do a slow burn, I mean, it's it's X-Files is a perfect example of a slow burn. What you do mm-hmm. is you keep two characters very, very close together, but nothing happens. You mm-hmm. don't separate two characters for like two seasons and have them barely share screen time and have that be a slow burn. That That's, that's, that's ice cold. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. but it is. Yeah. And also, like, Daryl is very specific like he's very different from your regular you know male yeah tv dude uh in a lot of ways that i find very interesting and um it's actually one of the reasons why i love the character so much is because he easily he so easily could have been a different character and i think i think uh, I read somewhere that they planned him to be a different character. Like, he was written in a different way when they originally introduced him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was written to be a lot more like Merle, and he was written to take drugs and, you know, be racist. And yeah. everything you expect, like, a white trash guy to be like, or, I don't know, like, just very cliche. Totally. But I'm so happy... Thank God for Norman that he decided to go a different way. And I love that he did that. And I love that he decided that when, you know, the entire world seemed to root for Daryl to get laid by someone, uh, he decided to not go there. And it's been seven seasons, and that's very persistent in character building also. And, um, you know, you know, if... Even if Daryl ends up not having anyone, as long as it's authentic to his character, I would be more okay with that um, than with Daryl being just paired up with someone random who I don't care for or just because I know that Daryl needs a lot of time to warm up to people and it was just, it would just ruin the work of seven seasons to me. And um, I think Norman has put a lot of thought into this, and uh, oh, tons, yeah. It would it would just literally ruin all of it to me if they wouldn't do this right. Like it has to be done right, and uh, yeah, it's like again with with the being specific, Daryl is so specific. Just like Daryl and Carol's relationship is so specific, and I have certain expectations for this to be played out the right way yeah it's it's this is something else one of the one of the things that frustrates me so much about this fandom is how people don't think like just a quick aside like beth's death even if i didn't think that she was alive i would look at this and go that is fucking weird because it is Mm -hmm. weird 
I, mm-hmm. if you actually step back for a second and think about how, how Daryl is marketed, you know, on the show, he's essentially asexual, but he's marketed as this big leading man. Yeah, it's so ironic. Why were we, we are now at season eight. Mm-hmm. It is unheard of to market a character in this way. And then in eight seasons, well, seven and going into eight seasons, not give him a love interest at all. It's mm-hmm. just, it's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. TV shows don't do that. I mean, if, if you, I, I've, I've had people, I don't know if they're trolls or they're just anxious people, but I've, you know, I've had people say, do you think they're going to pair Daryl up with Carol to make the audience happy? And I'm like, bro, if they were going to make the audience happy in that way, they <laughs> would have done it by now. Yeah. So something else is going on. And it's like, it's like, it's hinted at at the very end of season four and then it's cut off at the knees and nothing else ever happens. It feels like he's on, he's kind of on hold and yeah. they're waiting to do something with him. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful that Norman is so stubborn that way. Yeah. <laughs> just like he's stubborn about, you know, Daryl not cutting his hair and whatever. He's, <laughs> he's just like, I don't care about looking pretty. I don't care about, you know, the the masses or the fans getting what they want to see. I care about Daryl being authentic the way I pictured him. Yeah. And I, like, again, thank God for Norman doing this because I don't know if I would be so interested in that show if it wouldn't be for Daryl and how, how he's so different from other TV characters. Yeah, same. Yeah. It's just, he's, you know, he's a blessing, obviously. And believe it or not, before I watched The Walking Dead, I didn't know anything about Norman Reedus. No, I had neither. Yeah, I never had heard his name. Like, I, you know, I kind of recognized his face from Blade 2 or whatever it was. Like, he was super young in that movie, oh, but God, yeah. not, yeah, it's... I had to look that up even. I never, I didn't know who that guy was. And I remember thinking when uh, when Daryl stumbled out of those bushes, you know, in the second episode <laughs> yeah. or whatever, I remember thinking, well, shit, that guy's going to be trouble and he needs to go. Yeah. Like, I wanted him gone because I thought he would be the same way uh, as Merle was. And it was just such a pleasant surprise uh, for him to be very different. So, yeah, I had to warm up to him, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely the same. Because, yeah, in, in the in the first season, he's not written as particularly likable. And, in fact, I think mm-hmm. I remember reading that he wasn't even really supposed to stick around. But Norman mm-hmm. is so charismatic and played the character in such an interesting way, potentially, that they were like, oh, all right, you know, this guy... He's, the viewers seem to like him. There's some potential yeah. there. Let's kind of see what we can do with him. And then in season two, he becomes fascinating. Oh, yeah, he does. And I remember um, I was watching some episode that had him commenting in the background. And I think it was them, that one episode um, about, you know, them kind of mourning Beth, but never ever actually saying anything about it. Yeah. Um, it was just right after Tyrese died. And um, there was this moment between Carol and Daryl, once again, beautiful moment. And she 
leans up to kiss him on the forehead. And Norman was commenting, and he said, um, with the with the kisses and everything. I mean, Daryl is not very touchy feely anyway, and Carol is like the only person he would let that close. Mm-hmm. And the first time she did that was in the second season after he was hurt. You know, when Andrea shot at him and he was lying in that bed and Carol came in to take care of him and she leaned down to give him a kiss on the cheek and then he flinched. Yeah. And that flinch was, you know, the origin of them writing a story of childhood abuse for him. Yeah. That's how it happened. And I thought that was like so cool that he just created this entire background story um, and it made him so much more interesting and so much more I don't know relatable Mm -hmm. vulnerable like human I guess yeah yeah and that was tiny it's this tiny tiny moment and it's easy to miss if you don't know what you're looking at exactly and I just like thought it was really cool that they you know build up on that they could have ignored it easily, but they build up on that, and yeah, that was really cool. I actually didn't notice until I went back and, and rewatched uh, a, a long time ago, but but I, I went yeah. back and watched it for a second time. But his scars are visible in that episode, like they they, are. they knew at that point very early on that 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 a, a central feature of this character was going to be that he was an abuse survivor. Oh, really? They did? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but I don't know why else they would have made him... Well, I mean, I think it was, you know, probably Norman had a lot of input on this, but I don't know why else he would have flinched, and I don't know why else they would have had those scars. Yeah, exactly. Well, probably not. Norman had made up this entire thing inside his head before he acted it out, and maybe they even talked about it before. Yeah. We'll never know, but I thought it was... (laughs) I thought it was really cool that they did that. Yeah. And it it just made him a lot more complex and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, also, please do watch every episode that has Norman commenting on it. It's it's a riot. It's, I don't usually watch commentary, so I'll, I'll remember yeah, that. Yeah, do that. And the thing is, they had both uh, Emily and Norman and the writer and the director comment on uh still i did watch that yeah that was wonderful like that was the most commentary i've ever heard on any episode ever made in the history of human tv making i don't know it's just why also like you know it's like this detail but why would they go through all that trouble yeah yeah, that they clearly feel like that episode is a really important episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, oh, but also like Norman, he's just really funny. <laughs> oh yeah, he's he's like he's 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 a troll also. Oh, completely. But yeah, he's yeah. a riot. Yeah. He's a he's fucking weird. <laughs> he's just a huge weirdo. He is like I feel like most of the time I feel like Norman is like an overgrown kid that has been given. A wad of mo- a wad of money, yeah. And he's been perfect. let loose on the world to do whatever with, and he's just like this happy person, like dancing through the world and just you know picking everything up and yeah, he's cool. Like he's also super patient with fans. 
which is yeah i've heard that like, i've never met him but i've heard him. that bless him like if anyone would have bitten me at a convention convention oh god yeah. <laughs> yeah he was ridiculously chill about that yeah and also another thing and i promise i will stop praising norman Reedus after that uh i i just very much appreciate how he appreciates fan art like yeah. i don't know that I, I don't know that any other actor would take that type you know that kind of time to interact with the fans and it's just i think that's great i think that's awesome yeah yeah in fact that was that was i meant i think i mentioned this to you when we were sort of pre-gaming a little bit that was a question that i got uh that i thought was a really interesting question um have you have you ever met either norman or emily and <laughs> have you personally showed them any of your art and if you haven't what piece of artwork would you most like to show them in person um well, if I would ever meet him, I would probably be mortified. Um, <laughs> I no, the thing is, the thing about um, the thing about me is that I'm very, very respectful about private space, mm-hmm. and I don't get how people can just approach him or any other celebrity just out on the street and be like hey come on take a picture with me and then oh, take God, another yeah. picture with me it's like I could never do that because I would never dare to take up his time like that and with the conventions you know there are no conventions um, here in Germany as far as I know and it's very expensive to go to the US or even to London Yeah, and even then even if someone would pay the ticket for me and um i don't know whether i could just walk up to him and just shove my art into his face yeah because i just i'm not that type of person i'm just like i don't put my stuff into the limelight like i'm happy to share it online and it makes me happy that other people are happy if they look at it and um that's all i want really and obviously, I would never show him any of my Beth and Daryl art because I think it would just be very awkward. Yeah, I I totally get that. <laughs> I mean, he's a grown ass man, and he knows Emily as a person. And you know, it's like I think people confuse the 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 actors with the characters oh, a lot. Totally. And it's just like. The second I'm standing in front of him, he would be, you know, he wouldn't be Daryl. He would be Norman. And that's a very, very different person to me than Daryl. And no, I would, like, I probably couldn't, wouldn't. And, um, but actually someone, I think it was about a year ago, somebody um, kindly asked me on Tumblr about which piece of art I would give to him if I had the chance. And, um, Unfortunately, I forgot her name, but uh, bless you, person. She actually bought that print in my shop, and she gave it to him and had it signed. Had one sign for her, and it was a print of uh, Daryl's back. Oh yeah, I I absolutely I, love that one. I mean, I love all your stuff, but I absolutely yeah. love that one. Yeah, and that's it, obviously, I think he. He reblogged it on Twitter or so, like also like a year ago or something. And that was like 
huge for me. That made me so happy that he would actually like it. God, yeah. I can yeah, imagine. That was really cool. But no, I would not <laughs> show him like my entire works of Beth and Daryl and then I wouldn't start to discuss all my theories with him because <laughs> Yeah. I think he has better things to do than that, but yeah. Well, is that He's, sort sort yeah. of amending the question then? Is is yeah. that is that the piece of art that you've done that you would most want him to see what he's already seen or is there another piece of art that you would like just if he happened to see it online and never talk to you about it? Is there another piece of art that you think you'd really want him to see? <laughs> well, there's another one that is just of Daryl that I feel like just turned out really well. It's not super special as far as its meaning is concerned or anything, but it just turned out well. <laughs> it's it's not very interesting. It's just very colorful. Um, and yeah, the back one because that that one is actually very loaded with meaning. And yeah. um, I, you know, I had a lot of thoughts and emotions when I painted that one and I planned it out and I wanted this out of my system. So that one is very meaningful. And the hog maybe like the Beth and Daryl hog. I yeah. think that's harmless enough to, uh, to give to Norman and, um, yeah, probably those two. What's, which, which one is the really colorful one? Oh, I'll have to send you that one on Tumblr. I can't really explain it. I think it was him working on his bike. It was some. It was based on some promo shot for the sixth season, I think, when they came to Alexandria. And he had, like, this bloody piece of fabric in his oh, hand. Oh, yeah, I know, I know the picture you mean. I love that picture because, yeah, it's kind of it's weird. Yeah and, uh, yeah, and I, you know, did my own rendition of, of that promo shot and... It's weird that I haven't seen that. You probably have. I just can't remember. Yeah, my memory's <laughs> I terrible. Like, I, I feel like half of them are very similar anyway. Like, if you, I never noticed until I saw them, like, all together next to each other. Because someone reblogged them in a row. Mm -hmm. And I saw that in my, like activity thingy on tumblr and they were all next to each other and i was like well it looks like i do have colors <laughs> color theme going on and like a position theme going on and okay i never knew but that's good to know hmm. so yeah that's actually that's kind of something else i really wanted to ask you um it's, I'm always interested to see what it is that you choose to, to paint. Where where do you get the inspiration to do a specific thing? What draws you to a specific image? Because or, or, you have that other image that I think it's for the fixed surfacing. Mm -hmm. That's It's almost surreal. It's mm -hmm. really, really beautiful. It's, it's another one of my very favorites that you've done. And I, I sort of, I was like, where did that, that's such a strange image. It's very is lovely, that, but it's very strange. So where did the do, idea for that come from? Where do you get your ideas? Um, you mean the black and white one? Yeah. The portraits with the with the thorn crown. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I think it's a combination of, of a lot of things. And to me, it's I'm not very good with words. I've never been. Like, I wish I could write the way you can write or that some, you know, writers are capable of expressing themselves, but that's not how 
my mind works, I think in pictures and I like have this those snippets of of feelings and just flashes of I don't know, colors. It's you can't really describe it. It's just tiny details and they all kind of mash into into a rough idea of some of how something should feel. Like if I look at something and I want I want people to feel what I felt when I painted it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's a specific mood or or feeling that I want to transport. And um I don't like to draw like landscapes or stuff like that. I'm I do concentrate on people because that's most expressive to me. So I do portraits a lot. I do, you know, like um bodies and and that kind of stuff and combine with the need for people to feel something. It's just like it's really hard. I don't make any sense at all, do no, I? No, you're making perfect sense. <laughs> you really are. It's super it's like like I said I don't have the words to describe it really it's just a feeling and if you see something that inspires you and you just kind of get it like and you can't even describe it why you get it and to me when I read uh surfacing it was just like it resolved a lot of things that felt unresolved at that point and I felt it was really beautifully written and it uh, was about them reuniting in a way that I felt was halfway realistic or that just felt good to me and so it was a meaningful story and I wanted a meaningful picture to go with it mm-hmm. and I know it's really abstract but I why are you asking? <laughs> because I'm interested. And I told you, I, I, I love that it's, it's abstract. I, I, I don't, yeah, it's just as abstract as the the uh, the image looks is the like thought process behind it, I guess. I just, I can't really, It. I guess, like I said, it's just I want people to look at it and I want them to feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And if you feel something, if you look at a picture, that's like my job is done here. And I felt something when I read the story, so I I just, there was, you know, with the thorn crown, there was pain, but they also have, like, this peaceful, almost, you know, like, they are in balance with themselves, like, they, they have found peace yeah. by reuniting, and there's also, like, this pain in the background, and it all had to come into one picture for me and it i wanted it to be calm and uh that's why it's black and white i guess and yeah. it's just like it it just it happens and it happens out of a mood i guess and it's just like my emotions flow through my hand and they end up on the paper and that sounds really cheesy but no, it's, it's, <laughs> I don't know you're describing, describe you're describing a creative process and I think that it's, yeah. it's really similar across different different ways of expressing yourself creatively I mean I love that you mentioned that it's there's kind of this this mood of peace in it because that's one of the things mm-hmm. I really love about it is how calm and peaceful their faces are it's, mm-hmm. it's I'm really getting that emotion from it that you're describing I the the intense emotional quality of it even you know 
maybe even especially because it's very simple in a lot of ways mm -hmm. is it's it's yeah. really powerful yeah and it's like also i don't use well in that instance i didn't use nudity for you know erotic purposes um right. I, I wanted them just to be stripped of anything that disturbed the picture like i wanted them to be bare i guess like laid bare and that's what what it was to me in that moment you know i i cannot imagine i cannot possibly wrap my mind around them actually or daryl actually realizing that beth is alive like how yeah. do you deal with that and I cannot imagine anyone being more raw or overwhelmed or just, you know, laid bare in, than in that kind of moment. Like, how do you deal with that? And it's just, that's why I wanted them stripped of everything else. And I wanted just like, you know, pain and peace in one does that does that make any kind of no sense? it makes it makes total sense it, like i said you're really this is very vindicating for me because you're 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 really describing what it is that i feel when i look at that picture and that is awesome especially especially like you said um you know the nudity because you're right mm -hmm. it's not in fact one of the one of the other things that's so cool about that about that painting is that it's very much like the hug and that it could be it could be romantic or it actually could be completely mm -hmm. platonic because the point there at least for me looking at it was yeah it was it was the intimacy and the focus on them as characters and and the in, yeah. the the in implication that there's nothing between them in that moment and that doesn't exactly. have to mean romance at all see you're you're so much better at describing it than i <laughs> <laughs> you could have answered that question so much better yeah than but me. i didn't i didn't know what you were thinking I and mean, i absolutely love that that's kind of what what you were feeling when, and I mean, and that, that, that says something great about it because it says that you got through exactly what you were trying to get through. That's really good to hear. Thank you. And it's also just fucking beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It is usually with those, with those types of projects. Um, I just like, I'm kind of relieved once it's out of my system. Like I, it's like there and it's kind of sitting and you know pushing to get out and then i i put it out into the world i send it out and then it's just this relief like mm -hmm. this total peace of mind for just a minute to have dealt with it and it's now it's done and it's out there and yeah it's it's like it's a very peaceful feeling mm -hmm. to put those types of emotions out there it's i, I love that because I would say that writing, at least for me, feels very similar. Yeah. Right down to kind of where the ideas come from, because, I mean, I, I, I've i been told, and I think this is true, that I write very cinematically, and a lot mm -hmm. of the ideas that I get come from images. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, there is this kind of, once it's out there, it's not, it's not tormenting you anymore. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's like, it's, it's a therapy. Yeah. Kind of like you, you deal with it and you write it out or you paint it out and then it's out there and you feel so much better after that. Yeah. Yeah. Plus you've made something beautiful and that's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. And it's 
I feel like writing and painting are, as far as the creative process is concerned, uh, very similar in a lot of ways. Um, you know, obviously writing is a lot more effort in different ways because you have to like plan out a plot and you have to go in such detail and um, think about what is going to happen and why you're writing the things that are happening now because they have to make sense in the future and it's so much more complex to just to plan and but the the thought process well not the thought process but the I guess like the the emotional process yeah. behind it is very similar. Yeah. Yeah, so and in fact that's actually that's actually yeah. kind of something else and maybe this question maybe I'm just revealing my own ignorance of art here and maybe this question actually <laughs> doesn't make a whole lot of sense, so forgive me if that's true. But I, I sort of, you know, they're actually, they're kind of two different kinds of writers. Obviously, that's not necessarily true. They're people who fall, you know, all along the spectrum. But they're, you know, they're people who plan very carefully beforehand and mm -hmm. have like, you know, have like postcards with here's a different scene and here's another scene and here's where they fit together and here's what this character does and here's what this character does. And then yeah. there are people who just fucking write. Yeah. And I tend to be one of those people. And I'm, I'm just wondering when you're constructing a painting, you know, do you just kind of paint or do you really plan ahead of time how something is going to look? Well, I wish I could say I could just sit down and draw. Like there are artists who could just who sit down every day and they draw for the sake of drawing. And obviously that's how they get really good. And they also enjoy just the process of doing it. And they're, they are, that's not me. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not me. No, I really have to have uh, an image in my head before I actually sit down. I can't just sit down and draw something and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. um, I do have specific motivations and like feelings when I approach something. Like it needs to, you know, it needs to have a sort a certain color range or it needs to deal with a specific emotion or it needs to play out a very specific scene that I've read in a, in fan fiction or it needs to you know it needs to cover one of those things for me and that's when I actually sit down and do it and I do actually you know I research for reference pictures or for color schemes and all of that and yeah unfortunately I, I would love to be one of those spontaneous people who just sit down and create something awesome just randomly but that hardly ever happens to me <laughs> well it's not necessarily a bad thing I mean like I said everybody's you know everybody needs to do what they do in the way that works best for them yeah exactly yeah that's that's also why I chose not to make art my job because I wanted it to be, you know, my personal own thing that I can come home to and I can choose to do whenever I want to. Because I just, I can't make art if there's no motivation behind it. And um, I needed that to be, an, you know, the thing I could do whenever I felt like it, whenever I had actual inspiration. So, Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if it was a good idea for me to do writing professionally for that reason. <laughs> I was like, oh, now I fucking hate writing. That's great. Yeah, everyone works in a different way, and that's what worked what worked from best for me. So, 
Well, clearly you're doing something right because I love all your stuff. So thank you, thank you. That's no, it might sound really like I'm not interested, but it actually means really it means the world to me if people respond to me about my art and if they comment on it and it's again very similar to writing probably if you get feedback and that's like especially since it's fan work you know it's fan fiction and it's fan art and the only kind of payoff you get is you know interacting with with other people who, la- who like it or dislike it for whatever reason or just, you know, that it, it means a lot to me. So thank you very much. Well, I, I do, I do have, I do have one more question for you. And, yeah. and if it becomes more rambling, then all the better. Um, you, this is something that, I mean, you might've seen, I get asked about this periodically and I'm always like, I don't want to talk about this because I don't know. But it is something that I'm actually very interested to hear you talk about a little bit. You mentioned back when we were discussing what, okay, what, you know, what do you want to talk about? What might end up coming up that you kind of want to cover? And mm-hmm. you mentioned reunion scenarios. And I oh, am very I... interested in what you think about that. Like, let's say Beth is coming back. How do you yeah. maybe see that happening? Yeah, well, I have regret suggesting that because <laughs> there is no good answer to that question yeah. because I always end up thinking this like this moment is going to be so loaded and I have so many expectations for that one moment that nobody could possibly ever do this right. Yeah. So I rather shouldn't have any expectations at all. But obviously... I can't help to wonder and there are um, amazing fan fictions out there that cover that, you know, that moment. And, you know, we have, you know, we have two possibilities. We have the possibility of Beth waking up at Grady and making her way to team family. Or we have the possibility of Beth being at Grady and, team family somehow finding their way back to Grady. Right. So it's going to be one way or the other. And I think I actually prefer the first. I think I want to see how Beth finds her way back to them for multiple reasons. And I feel like we need that time with Beth to reconnect with her. Yeah. Because... Um, obviously we have, we have the Beth and Daryl fans, um, and it's always fresh in our minds, but I think a lot of people have actually forgotten who that girl is. Or at least don't remember a whole lot yeah, about her. Exactly. Like, cause like that one friend I, I told you about earlier, she, I, I, I tried to introduce her to the idea of Beth possibly still being alive. And she looked at me like, I had grown a third eye on my forehead because oh, she God. like I could read it off her face that she had no clue who Beth Green was and you know that so that that was that for that conversation and um I, I feel like a lot of the general mass audience they don't really remember a lot and they don't expect her to come back so I feel like we need to justify her coming back into this like her getting a second chance and 
we need to show I keep saying we, but it's not we. Uh, they need to show that, that Beth absolutely deserves to be in that world and yeah. that she is very much her own person and that she's very much a strong person who can make it without Daryl, who can make it without um, her sister, and that she is strong enough to, to survive and also strong enough to pull Daryl out of this hole that he's in right now. So, yeah, but I could also picture them needing, you know, Dr. Edwards for whatever reason, so they could go into that direction, but I would prefer Beth, you know, making her way back to them. And I also think that would be the more interesting story. I don't know. Oh, no, I, I totally agree. And I think... I, I, I agree that, first of all, yes, absolutely. We need to kind of, we need to revisit Beth as a character on her own. Yeah. We need, they need to, they need to kind of make a case for why she needs to be alive because people yeah. aren't going to immediately buy it. And also, yeah, I think it's, I think if it happens, it's likely that it will happen that way because Gail Ann Hurd mentioned back at the very beginning of season five, and it's one of the things mm-hmm. that, you know, I think made everybody certainly made me throw their hands up and go, well, what the fuck were you even talking about if it's going to end like this? You know, she said that we're going to see Beth using the stuff that Daryl taught her. She mm-hmm. never at any point used survival skills. I mean, she yeah. she did use, she was very cunning. She was very clever. She was very strong emotionally. She stood up to, to a, oppressive power. You know, she was, she clearly was using a lot of survival skills in her way, but in terms of tracking, in terms mm-hmm. of being able to, you know, to catch food, in terms of just being able to survive in the wild on her own. We never yeah. saw her do any of that. Yeah, and there needs to be a point in, you know, Daryl teaching her those things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I Yeah, so I feel that would be the way that would make most sense to me and that would make the most sense of the character and also the most use of the character and um you know and then you have you have that process and then you have the actual reunion and no matter how much I think about it I cannot imagine what it possibly feels like to stand in front of someone that you thought dead like how does that how how does that feel like I don't I have no idea like I try to imagine my grandmother is standing in front of me um i would probably freak out i would faint probably like that's a dead person standing in front of me and then at some point you will realize that obviously they are alive and then you have all the, the backstory like it's so loaded with meaning and emotion is like they couldn't possibly cover all of it in one moment and yet again I have a lot of faith in Norman and his acting and him being very truthful to his character and um, the same with Emily but it's just so overwhelming like literally Daryl must be overwhelmed and at the same time I can see him just shut down completely because it's just overload of everything yeah I mean and I can I can I can give you a decent description of 
a scene that would do it justice. Like, I feel like I have to see it and then I can decide whether it did it justice or it didn't, which is a really lame, <laughs> you know, a lame explanation. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of scared of that moment because it, it needs yeah. to be done right. It needs to be done perfectly and, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, it's I mean, I think you're absolutely right about expectations. I think the people need to kind of make their peace with the idea that if it happens, mm-hmm. it is going to be disappointing in one way or another, mm-hmm. because there is yeah. no way to do it in a way that will satisfy all of us and in a way that yeah. will really, I mean, I was, I was thinking about kind of the stuff that I've written the other day. And I've, I've written stuff after she comes back but i mm-hmm. have i really almost never write the scene where she comes back and that's mostly why i can't mm-hmm. that's that's almost impossible like i think i'm a pretty good writer and i can describe most things i have no idea yeah. how to describe that scene it's just yeah. so huge yeah and it's like it it can't be cheesy like if, no oh god please no it. like it's not you know the, the walking dead they never have been big on being cheesy it's not a disney movie or anything um they don't they won't break out into dance and song <laughs> they won't be like extensive yeah. hugging and like, crying and screaming and whatever but i feel like it needs to be a lot more quiet especially with daryl because he doesn't do he doesn't make a scene ever and i mean i can see him fidgeting i can see him trying to figure out in his head instead of saying it out loud like that's what he does like I can see mannerism on him rather than you know him saying anything or like hey so what's going on or hey I didn't expect you but like I can literally not put together any sentence that would make any sense coming out of Daryl's mouth at that moment I'll I'll, I'll tell you I actually what I what I tend to do when I'm trying to write a scene like that, and it's the only way that I can actually picture it in my head. If you like, mm-hmm. if you forced me to try to come up with with some kind of scenario that made sense to me, yeah, I don't think he would say anything. And I yeah. I actually, if I was writing it, <laughs> um, I think that it it could make sense for him to completely shut down and for us not to see anything from him. I think it also could make sense for him to just completely fall apart. Mm-hmm. Like not not joyful, mm-hmm. not not like not joyful, not sad, not terrified, but like every single emotion at once. Yeah, exactly. How do you deal with that? Yeah. Even like, I mean, I think he would that... just collapse sobbing, basically. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, we've seen everything from Daryl. He he collapsed when he saw Merle, but also he was alone. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't have any. The audience and I think that makes a difference for him yeah um then we we've seen him be completely stoic almost like not giving any kind of reaction at all like when we um when when he and Maggie were you know reunited we didn't really get a reunion no and didn't get any kind of interaction and we didn't there was nothing and it could go either way and I really he's so complex at at that point that I cannot possibly say that it could 
it, it is going to be that way and no other way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, I, I'm also kind of with you in that, like, and I also, I also say this when people try and pin me down on this, it exactly what you said, like, let's wait and see how it happens if it happens. Mm -hmm. And then I will tell you what I think. Like mm -hmm. after the fact, I'll tell you to what degree did this meet my expectations? To what degree did this match kind of what I thought was going to happen? But I can't tell you anything about it until I've seen it happen. Yeah. And, you know, f funnily enough, the, uh, Beth's side of the story would be where it's just so much easier to just picture. I can, I can just totally see her being happy to be back with them. She's just going to be glad and yeah. content and, I like with her there is no other way I could picture it but her to be just relieved to be back with her people mm -hmm. and with Daryl it's just like this super complex onslaught of every emotion ever felt by any human uh, put into one moment and you put guilt on top of that and it's just how is he not how could he not implode? Yeah. Just by the sheer force of everything. Yeah. So yeah, that was a, probably a very unsatisfying No, <laughs> but it's it's totally true. Their union. No, it's like I I thought it was it would be interesting to just go through the options, but when I came to the actual moment of reunion, I came up short. I couldn't I couldn't go there like yeah. I couldn't I couldn't picture it how do you how do you do that how do you do deal with that kind of emotion of someone you thought is gone like really gone and you're guilty for their death yeah all of a sudden stands in front of you it's like good gracious well, you, you, you know, what happens in the Gospels when the disciples see Jesus again is they're fucking terrified. Yeah. Like, that's their primary emotion. It's not, oh, hooray, you're alive. It's, oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, God. And then they run away. Yeah. <laughs> so it's oh. like, yeah, I think, I think rapturous joy is not likely. Yeah. yeah. No. And it's Daryl. It's not going to be no. joy. Uh-uh. I mean, Maggie's going to be joyous but or at least I feel like she's going to be really happy to have her sister back because she has no one else I mean she has her baby yeah. and she had Sasha for yeah, no, no more. now and uh, now she has no one yet again and it's I feel like it would like again Beth coming back would make so much sense in so many ways yeah, well, I mean, that, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, everybody talks about how, oh, you know, poor Daryl. Mm -hmm. I, I see, I do see it, but I, I don't see enough people being like, oh, poor Maggie. Like, she's, oh, God. how fucking much has she, that one of the reasons why I love her relationship with Daryl and why I wish we saw more of it is that of everybody in the group, they've both probably lost the most in a particular way. Yeah. They've both lost the same people who were very, very important to both of them. And... Maggie's he dealing with it better because Maggie just is Maggie is more put together inside and I think she's much mm -hmm. able she's more able to connect to the people around her but she's she's lost so much and it would be really nice for her to get her sister back. 
honestly, when when uh, that you know that season premiere happened, when Negan did what he did to Glenn, I thought like I honestly expected Maggie to just shut down at least for a couple of episodes. And the very next thing we see of her is getting up and you know doing things. It's beautiful. It's amazing, and I I was I was just so stunned by it in you know in a positive way i was like how strong is maggie like oh my god make her president of everything <laughs> please right now yeah. just like send rick home yeah she's better than Maggie's rick good. it's she's amazing she's amazing and the way she deals with all those you know douchebags around her it's incredible i love her character and i love that she's still there and i love that she deals with things the way she does and she's like doing beautifully with the whole situation i mean she literally everything that that meant anything to her except her baby has been taken away from her she had to watch her sister die she had to watch her husband die she had to watch her father be beheaded and then she gets up and she's like, I'm going to fight and I'm going to make this right and I'm going to kick ass and nobody's going to stop me. Yeah. Deal with it. And that's just, that's amazing. I love that they did that with Maggie. And that's not what happens in the comics at all. Really? It doesn't? Nope. She she shuts, she does kind of what you expected. She shuts down. She mm-hmm. blames Rick for everything and then she attempts suicide. Oh, well. It's fucking awful and well it's Kirkman (laughs) yeah and I was worried about that and then like everybody hated the season seven premiere I hate I hate 60% of the season season seven premiere and then I absolutely love the rest and I I love it because Andy's an incredible actor and his scenes are fantastic and I love it because you have Maggie standing up at the end and when I saw that I was like this might be a good season if this is how we're kicking it off this might actually be a very good season. And it ended up being a very good season. And it ended up being a very good season in exactly that way. The women are the ones who stood up. Yeah, absolutely. God, I I really, I love every single female lead on that show. Oh, they're all so good. They're really, oh God, Michelle. Like, the things that she has to deal with with Rick is like... (laughs) Good luck with that one, um, but I it it came together beautifully, and um, I love that they did that with with Rick and Michonne. I think that it wasn't the plan from the very beginning. I think that they saw they that they had a really amazing chemistry, and that it might have you know be a result out of that coming out of that, but I I could be wrong. I don't know. I just it felt like. Denai and uh, Andy, they they did so amazingly right from the start. Yeah, and it kind of like it always felt like it was there, like between the lines and the way they looked at each other and the way they treated each other and the way they stood up to each other, and it felt so natural. Yeah, to conclude in that way, and it, yeah, that was that was pure happiness. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's been except for except for that. But, you know, fucking awful scene. It's actually been really, really good. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's 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 another kind of 
piece the puzzle sliding into place for me, it mm-hmm. would, given all of that, it would make a lot of sense for Beth to mm-hmm. come back and for that to yeah. be kind of, and here's another strong woman who wasn't supposed yeah. to survive and did. Yeah, exactly. And now she's going to stand up and be a leader. Yeah, it would very much make a sense. Yeah. And, you know, considering that she's a green and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, the green sisters, <laughs> they're still around. Yeah, yeah. I was just, like... The other, like every time I rewatch, uh, still, I, you know, I noticed something else, and I don't know why it took me so long. But the other day when I rewatched it, I noticed that her diary thingy, her like little book, notebook that she carries around, it has the same color green that the balloons have, and everything mm. green that ever appeared after that. Yeah. I never noticed. I never did either. That's really interesting. Yeah, color has a lot of symbolism on the show. I thought it was just, you know, green because of their last name, family name, green. But it's it's the actual very same color of her notebook. Yeah. And I keep like, you know, maybe it has something to do with me being an artist. I always keep a lookout for color themes and... um, with the, I try to spot blue and green, uh, blue and uh, yellow whenever it's combined, because that's kind of like the best green combination for me. And uh, there was this. Um, it might have meant nothing. It probably meant nothing. I don't know. It's just like it. It pops up to me. Like it. It stands out to me. It was like a little figurine of a Maria figurine. And it stood in the front of the um, the bus that Daryl and Carol yeah. to to uh, yeah. rescue Beth, basically. When they, uh, you know, they it when it rolled over the bridge and they fell down, it it felt like a teeny tiny Beth was standing in front of them and was protecting them. And I thought it was it was cute. Oh, see, I remember, I remember the figure, but I did not. I never thought about it like that, and that's really yeah. Because cool. it's like she has like the blue, you know, suit in the hospital mm-hmm. that she wears, and then with her blue eyes and the blonde hair, and it feels like whenever I see yellow and blue together, it feels like a reference to Beth. Yeah, and, and we, also the green. Yeah, and we know that yellow and her are really closely connected. Yeah, with the shirt also. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh, and funny. I keep like I I keep trying to imagine whether she is still going to have that little green book and whether she's still going to have that stupid spoon when when she wakes up. Oh god, the those... spoon. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I get I went back like 15 times or what to look at that scene very very closely and she puts it in her pocket yeah she does why what's the point of that scene yeah she doesn't put it back on the table i mean out of all the random things you could possibly use in a zombie apocalypse you probably wouldn't pick up a decorative spoon yeah why and it says washington dc in a country club in georgia why why I mean, they, they, um, the way the comment went on that uh, episode, someone, I think it was like all those comments by the director and Norman or whatever. Someone said that this was, you know, hinting at the team family going to Washington. 
because that's what where Eugene was leading them. Right. Um, but why Beth? Why would Beth put it in her pocket? I mean, she could she could have picked it up and looked at it and then put it back. But I mean, she even leaves her flashlight at the bar. Yeah. She leaves that, but she's going to pick up a spoon. Why? <laughs> And she's never even going to get to DC. So why her? No, she can't even eat with that thing. Like, it's why? <laughs> I want to throw that stupid spoon at someone's head. Like, somebody give me an answer. That's just, it. It doesn't make any sense. Unless, again, yeah. Unless, unless, <laughs> yeah. Unless Beth is going to, you know, get up from the dead and just. Do the throwing the spoon herself. I hope she hits Negan. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably let you go. It's it's over two hours and I gotta go run. Yeah. All right. Well, this was so great. Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. This was fun. Yeah. I don't get to talk about about this so much, like too much in detail, especially. Yeah. So yeah, that that was really interesting, and like, you know, just putting it out in into the void of uh, the internet is one thing, but actually having a conversation with someone is very different. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should, if if you want to, if you like this, we should do it again. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun. Great. Okay. Thank you. Yep. This should be up on Monday. Okay. All right. Well then, have a good one. You too. I'll talk to you later. And welcome back. And of course, I'm recording this about uh, 10 seconds after I just recorded the intro. I have got to go feed my fucking cat, you guys. And then I've got to go watch a movie. And then I've just got to go exist in this insane world that we're living in for some reason. Um, But... Whenever you're listening to this, I hope you're having a great time. I hope this is a great afternoon for you. I hope it's a great night. I hope it's a great morning. I just hope that you're in a good place mentally. Because despite all the insanity right now, I kind of am. I'm feeling pretty good about stuff. So yeah, I'm going to get going. And uh, oh, a quick, quick note, by the way, I'm going to Wisconsin at the end of this month. So that might mess slightly with the posting schedule that I already am not super good at keeping to, apparently, when life happens. But I do intend to get up the next episode reasonably close to when I would ideally be posting it anyway. So, just wanted to let you guys know. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to get out of your hair. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much. And have a great whatever time you're listening to this at. And I will speak to you soon. Bye.